In today's episode, we will be talking to a number one top legal sex work in the country, Alice Little. Born in Dublin, standing four foot eight, 85 pounds, this redheaded beauty has been featured on ABC's Nightline and is a sex work healthcare advocate. She currently works at the Bunny Ranch, a legal brothel in Nevada, and is now thriving as a YouTube star and BDSM educator. Welcome back to the Slutpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Anna D, here to empower women to build their own empire and interview sluts who like to make money. On my podcast, I give you a peek inside my life as a girl boss, mentor, retired cam girl, viral TikToker, and OnlyFans creator. I share my ups and downs of running a multi-million dollar business and the difficult yet sexy path to success. So we have an interview today. I'm so excited. But first, we're going to get into our Ask, 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 Anna segment. So in our Slutpreneur Facebook group, which recently got deleted because, you know, as sluts, we just violate the guidelines for existing. So we will be making a new group. Don't worry. It's going to be called the Professional Goddesses Group. So stay tuned for that. Previously in that group, Daisy Navarro asks, are you genuinely happy? This is a great question because majority of people assume that successful entrepreneurs are happy. But I believe happiness is a state of mind and just like any feeling, it comes and goes. Personally, I find the most joy in helping others. It does drain me, but it brings pure happiness. My dogs bring me happiness, and I've been able to create a life that brings moments that bring joy and happiness. I find that being grateful and expressing gratitude and love in every opportunity I can is a trigger for happiness. But there are days that I'm not happy, and that stems from the days that I'm overwhelmed from being an entrepreneur. It's a double-edged sword. There's a balance in life, and in order to be happy, you kind of have to experience other emotions, the lower ones. My antidepressants definitely help contribute to my happiness. But yeah, I'm pretty, you know, I experience a lot of emotions. I'm an empath, so happiness comes it goes. I feel like currently with a lot of things I've been working on, the dog rescue and having more team members, it's allowing me more opportunities to find joy. But I think I experience those states of happiness. But sooner, once I gain more control of the triggers that bring low emotions, I see myself finding more joyful opportunities. Thank you, Daisy, for asking that. Moving on to our fetish of the week. I want to eat that pussy. It is trichophilia or trichophilia, which is a sexual obsession with human hair, most commonly head hair. And people with this kink or fetish get arousal from viewing, touching, or in some extreme cases, eating hair. And I I admire this fetish because recently in my DMs, I have found a potential client who would like to eat my hair, but more so my leg hair bottled up in a jar of spit. And he wants me to make this like soup contraption with the liquids at the bottom of my trash. I'm actually like, these are the things that excite me, like the super weird opportunities that I have. 
Trichophilia. I have sold a lock of my hair. Anytime I get my hair cut, I scoop up the hair on the floor, keep it in a safe place, and have a reoccurring listing for a goddess's lock of hair for someone to worship. Now we move on to Sludgepreneurs in the News. Turkish bodybuilder Denise Sapinar, who's 26 years old, was stopped from boarding an American Airlines flight from Texas airport to Miami on July 8th, last Thursday. Authorities found her outfit inappropriate. She was wearing a cute brown crop top, cut off jeans, and a white shirt wrapped around her waist. Sapinar was the first woman in Turkey to receive professional status from the International Federation of Bodybuilding and Fitness, according to Dallas Morning News. This information was all found on Daily.com. American Airlines officials said she was denied boarding for a customer traveling from Dallas to Miami, but failed to name Sapinar directly. The spokesperson said the customer did not comply with the airline's conditions of carriage, which state that customers must dress appropriately. Hmm, I wonder who determines appropriate. The spokesperson affirmed that offensive clothing isn't permitted on board. I wonder what determines offensive. Denise Sapinar posted on her Instagram story, I never dress in a way that will offend anyone. I'm mature and civilized enough to know what I can and cannot wear. Sapinar reportedly said in an Instagram story as she was on the verge of tears. This is so disappointing. I myself on TikTok feel targeted having a more sexually desired body that when I wear certain clothes, they come off as what offensive or distracting versus someone who's 100 pounds. I don't see this changing very soon unless we fucking bring attention and start a movement. Like what if every woman in the world went through the airport wearing something deemed inappropriate? I wonder if uh, it would hurt American Airlines monies. Another jab towards us beautiful goddesses in society. I'm so sorry that happened to you, Miss Denise. Let's welcome this sludgepreneur to the show. Hi, Alice. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I actually did change locations. I'm over at the Chicken Ranch now, <laughs> which is on the other side of the place. I think Bunny Ranch sounds so much cuter, but wherever life takes you. Yes. You know, unfortunately, each county has different regulations. And well, I was kind of looking for a change and ended up in a new space. So what brought upon that change? Really, the pandemic. I think so many people, including myself, were looking to switch things up, try something new, dive into different opportunities. And rather than working full time like I had the year prior, Mm -hmm. instead, I've kind of reprioritized. And so now through the chicken ranch, I'm able to come in, work for a week or two by appointment only, Mm -hmm. and then return home. So instead, I'm doing tours. So would you call yourself an an escort? It's not an incorrect term. What's really interesting about being a sex worker is that it's kind of an umbrella. And Mm -hmm. each facet of the umbrella has kind of claimed different terminology. So legal sex workers like myself, tend to call ourselves luxury companions, legal sex workers, (laughs) courtesans. Oftentimes, escorts represent a different part of our community. 
folks that Mm -hmm. are working independently that are trying to avoid any of the traditional sex worker language because escorting Mm -hmm. is legal where sex work isn't necessarily legal. So are you familiar with those legalities, which I'm sure of, because I find it frustrating that just driving over, you know, a border in the same country can determine whether you go to jail or not? Yes, it's really unfortunate and really problematic. Mm -hmm. The legislation that's put in place doesn't necessarily impact folks like myself who are very successful. I get to operate at the most privileged level of my industry but it absolutely causes challenges and difficulties for my more Mm -hmm. marginalized peers, folks of color, trans sex workers, those who don't have financial access to travel out to Nevada Mm -hmm. to work within a legal brothel. And so there's a lot of work as a country that we really need to do in order to get sex work to a place where it benefits everyone within the industry, not just the legal sex workers that are lucky to be in Nevada like myself. a beautiful answer. And someone called me out recently saying how much privilege I have to have sex work as a choice and like a side hustle hobby for myself because some people don't have a choice. And I never really thought about being privileged in that way because I always felt it was a job at the bottom of the totem pole for like as far as how people perceive Mm -hmm. you. But at the same time, there's other women who see you at the top of the totem pole because you have so much freedom with financials and independence. So it's such a contradictory job to have. But I'm curious because I, my assistant and I, we dove into your YouTube and I was like, oh my God, this this woman has such a way with words and I feel like you totally harness and embody the things that work for you and showcase your physical appearance and you exaggerate it as you should kind of like a character. I, I mean, I guess that's what I do. Do you feel like your physical appearance helps you attract your desired market? It's an interesting subject. So like you mentioned earlier, I'm four foot eight. I've chosen the name Alice Little. I'm definitely embracing the fact that I'm petite. At the same time, there's this unfortunate assumption that when someone sees a petite, pretty, youthful looking woman, that she must not be particularly articulate Mm -hmm. or intelligent. And that's a stereotype I came across earlier in my career, that initial perception of, well, if you're pretty, you must not have a brain Mm -hmm. to you. And personally, I'm very intellectual. I actually spend a lot of time conversing with my guests, having very involved conversations. And the guests that I really enjoy spending time with tend to be a little bit more cerebral. So in some ways, being petite has been really, really wonderful for my success. And then in other ways, it hasn't always been the most beneficial. Mm -hmm. Another good example is that I look very young. I'm 31 years old. I've been in the industry for five, coming up on six years. But I still get carded every time I go out with friends. I'm 10 years above the legal drinking age. Being perceived as looking significantly younger than you Mm -hmm. are is a challenge when you're trying to be an advocate for your industry because people then don't take you seriously. Oh, you're just this young, little, pretty girl. And it's like, thank you, I'm a woman. I'm 31 years old. I'm educated. And I have six years of life experience in this issue. Listen Gosh, to me. Gosh, you are like so well-versed with your clapbacks. And 
I know I didn't want to dive this deep so early, but how do you feel about being sexualized almost as like a teen? Because I I think it's very common when you look at porn, like teen is a very common term, which is obviously fucking illegal. But does it ever like happen in the bedroom where a guest might say something along those lines that's not exactly appropriate? So here's where my privilege really comes into play. I work by appointment only, which means that I'm able to touch base with my guests before we ever meet. And that allows me an opportunity to get to know who they are, what their desires are, and kind of help us build an experience before we even get to meet face to face. When I encounter folks that are interested in fetishes or fantasies that I'm not able to fulfill, I'm able to decline them. I'm at a point financially where I can say yes to anything I'm comfortable with. And I can also say no and not face any real financial ramifications for that. That's a privileged position for sure. 100%. Do you have to explain your boundaries pre-session? Well, it's not necessarily a requirement. Mm -hmm. There's not necessarily a boundaries and limitations conversation like you would see in, say, a BDSM or dungeon space. Instead, we kind of have like a negotiation conversation where we talk a little bit about what kind of touch does someone enjoy, what things are off limits for them. When it comes to working with couples, which has been one of my (laughs) favorite, favorite, favorite demographic of guests coming out of this pandemic or all the couples that are willing to explore and have that first threesome now, boundaries, comfortabilities, where each partner stands within regards to the situation and what's going to happen. That's really important and something that I like to really slow down and put emphasis on. That is such a gift that you can give to couples because in my personal relationship, having threesomes, there's that pretext of consent because there are boundaries with everyone. And I've had experiences where the girl may not want penetration from my partner, but still wants to play. And there, I wouldn't say, I guess awkward is the word to have that pretext because it's nice to have something natural occur. But at the same time, it's so imperative to discuss that sort of consent. And I guess my thing is, is if my partner and I went to a ranch, the fact that it felt transactional may not be our cup of tea. But I'm curious what occurs more so than not when couples come in? Like, is it, well, again, I guess you kind of discuss this possibly before you meet them, but do you have to navigate around the giggles and, oh my God, this is happening. And and maybe even the girl or the guy like steps away, they realize they're not comfortable with it. Like how do, how do you navigate that? So consent is something that is an ever present model within all of my experiences. So you're saying, is it transactional? And it's really more experiential Mm -hmm. in the sense that consent starts from the moment you walk into the doors, you're opting into our time together. And as such, consent can also be revoked at any moment of time. I always like to share with my couples the gift of the ability to stop. If something feels uncomfortable, all you ever need to do is put your hand up and everybody's going to stop right where they are. We're all going to check in with each other. We're going to have a conversation. And then we'll slowly but surely pick things back up if that is what you choose to do. We explicitly talk about limitations and boundaries. For example, when it comes to kissing, 
Are you comfortable with your partner kissing me? Would you like to kiss me? Are you comfortable having that as part mm-hmm. of our interaction? What sorts of things are special to the relationship that are strictly between the two of you? Nicknames, pet names, <laughs> specific sex acts, positions, all sorts of different things. It's a collaborative experience because everyone is adding something mm-hmm. to it. And I think that's what makes threesomes at the brothel so wonderful because it really teaches someone who's never had a threesome before how do you talk about it? What yes. does it feel like? How do you overcome it? The giggles and the nerves and the anxiety and how do you set those limits and boundaries in a way that's really healthy? And most importantly, there's no concern that I'm trying to like steal your man's. Please, no. No, he is yours. Take him home with you. <laughs> We're having fun together. I'm not trying to ruin your I relationship. Love that. Claps. Do you so is putting the hand up the safe word? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love, love that because not everyone feels comfortable with the verbal stop. If they are, great. Hey, pause. Perfect. (laughs) Stop, pause, rewind, hang tight a second, or the simple hand raise. Any of those things work really well. So how often do you get a hand raise? I'll tell you, every once in a while, somebody will like kind of do a a check-in where they'll like kind of do a hand raise and be like, Hey, is it okay if I do this thing that maybe we didn't entirely talk about, but now all of a sudden I think it would be really sexy. Is that okay? I love that. So oftentimes it's like a, like a boundary check-in of, Hey, we didn't discuss giving each other mutual massages. We talked about, you know, starting one off for me, but now we think it'd be kind of hot to give you a massage. Can we do that? So I'm curious, do you ever have couples come in that play without penetration? Because I saw that you had like a massage table, you used to be a masseuse, there's a bathtub in your space. I mean, it's probably different now. You're so well versed at so many like hands on techniques that are not necessarily penetration. So does that ever happen where people come in just to get that human experience without extremely sexual things? Mm hmm. Absolutely. It happens far more often than anyone would think. Okay. And it's not just couples that come in for non-sexual experiences. It's, you know, single men that come in as well looking for a non-sexual, intimate, romantic, connective experience. For some guests, it's because they're not interested in penetrative sex anymore. Either their bodies aren't up for it, they're of an age in which it no longer feels good and they have injuries, they could be intersex and they're just not interested in exploring their body that way. I have guests that are trans that just want to get comfortable with foreplay and touch and feeling comfortable in the skin they're in before moving forward. I have guests who are autistic and have never gotten to go on a first date before, and they want an opportunity to ask questions during the date to make sure that they're like doing things right so they can feel more confident when they're out there dating in the real world. All of those things happen. All of those have happened and so many more things My mind just like blew up. Thank you for expressing that. That that really normalizes the work we do because it's I, I say this a lot when girls are opening bank accounts and I say, you know, apply as a therapist because you're you're literally offering sexual therapy in a way. And that's just that's so comforting. I remember when I worked at the strip club, more of my 
regulars would sit down and just would want to talk to me and they'd continually just like lay money on the table. And it was funny because some days I felt more comfortable just doing lap dances. And some days I felt more comfortable probably when I was on my period, just talking to people. (laughs) But it's it's funny Mm -hmm. how there's a, a similarity there with how everyone's different and how they want to engage. And that's so special. Thank you for sharing that. Do they have to sign papers when they come in? I'm sure there's a process since they're walking into an establishment. Like, is it an NDA kind of thing or just a, I'm here and I won't sue you guys? (laughs) Pretty straightforward process. Folks come in, they show their ID at the door so we can verify that they are of legal age. We find out if they have an appointment with somebody or if they're there for a lineup or to kind of see who is available. And then the experience kind of unfolds from there. But because it's a legal establishment, we don't really need to worry about things like an extensive NDA process in which you sign on the dotted line in blood. We're pretty a-okay. So I'm sure my lovely listeners want to know about the financials when you work at an establishment like that. Do you feel comfortable discussing the financials? at a brothel or is that like a no-no? Yeah, so uh, financials are a really interesting thing within the brothel space. And there's a couple of little legal things that make it a bit extra challenging. Mm -hmm. For example, sex work in Nevada is only legal within the brothel. It's not even within the county. It's only within the specific brothel that you have a specific license for. So if I wanted to then work at a different brothel, I would have to reapply to work at that location, go and get a different license, mm. etc. And we're independent contractors as well. So we have specific contracts with the ranch as independent contractors that kind of lay out what our experience looks like, what the expectations are, etc. One of the things is that they do all the payment processing And they do get 50% of whatever the amount is booked. In addition, sex workers pay for their own testing, license, for their own benefits, health insurance, retirement policies, uh, taxes, work supplies, lingerie, clothing, toys, everything. I mean, we're very much so business professionals in the sense that we are truly independent contractors. We have to handle all of those things for ourselves. And as such, each woman or sex worker is thusly the CEO of their own business. Okay. Do you have some sort of menu or is the, I know you can offer overnights as well, but does the price differ on the experience? It does. And like I had mentioned earlier, there's a couple of interesting legal things within the industry. One of those things is that we can't actually discuss Mm -hmm. prices outside of the legal brothel. So I can say that experiences typically start in the four-figure range. And if you're looking to spend an overnight, that could extend easily into the five-figure plus range. But (laughs) I can't really go into the specifics because every experience is unique and different. And it's kind of a combination of how long do we spend together plus how do we choose to spend our time together. What activities? I, oh my God, I can't decide if I simply admire you or if I need to run to a ranch right now. (laughs) A lot of hard work. I've got to stress again and again and again because, you know, sex work is not easy work. And like, 
when you hear someone is wildly successful, mm-hmm. it can be so tempting to be like, yeah, I'm going to have that right mm-hmm. off the bat. And it's like, okay, it took me six years to build my career here and I have worked tirelessly. I mean, Girl, I, I literally was working for five years. You know? I can't, I mean, I have my PG businesses online with e-commerce and it took me 10 years to get there and, and people typically quit within the year range. So I, I totally get trying to express to people the dedication it takes. And sometimes you just can't teach hustle, but props to you. Love to hear that five-figure range. Totally worth it, especially with the amount of energy you expend. And I'm really curious. I know you, again, we mentioned about these overnight possibilities, but do you feel more vulnerable like when you're sleeping with someone? Does that make you like weary at all? Do you prefer a quickie or do you really enjoy those intimate sleeping settings? I know you mentioned sometimes people don't even want sexual activity. I'm I'm curious how you feel about the overnight sessions. I love them. I love them. I, <laughs> you know, I mean, I enjoy getting to cuddle with people, connect with them. And the longer you spend with someone, the more relaxed they become and they're able to really be their true authentic self beyond the nerves, beyond the anxiety. And oftentimes I can take a couple of hours when someone is getting to have a first experience with someone new. And especially if they're a virgin, (gasps) like the best thing you can do is, no, let's spend the night together. Let's make your first time really special and memorable and have time to try all the things that you've always been interested in. People have a way of overestimating their body's capacity for physically being able to have sex. Sorry, like... Your body is going to tap out before your brain is, Um, and you are going to have to rest and drink water (laughs) and eat some food and recharge your batteries before you go for round two or three or four. Are you like a professional cherry popper? I wouldn't go that far, but I certainly can say I have a deck full of B cards. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Like, I love that. And I, oh my God. I don't even know what to say. I mean, I've never taken someone's cherry. So I, I I just love the facet of experience. I feel like there's such a beauty and sexual awakening and opening besides it just being a job. I feel like that experience, I don't know if you like ever close your eyes and just think about the chapters of your life and can just dive through the files in your brain of what's what you've been through. It's incredible. It really, really is. And it's such a gift to be able to then leave a little imprint on the lives of so many other people to get to be their first experience that they're probably never going to forget. That's that's special. That's an honor. So I, I know that. I keep bringing up your YouTube video, but I, I was just as someone who has a YouTube channel myself, I was severely impressed with how well you talk. You talk very slowly and just articulately. And I was so curious. You mentioned you cater to disabled guests, which is also a gift to the world and all the tools and options you have. And you had this really cool chair in your room that you were showing like different positions on. And I was just, yes, go queen. And again, I'm sure you find such a beauty in bringing joy to people who might be disabled or autistic. And I just commend you so much. That's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. I mean, for myself, so much of what I do and experience is done with the idea that people are just people. Everyone is human. We all have our unique needs. I 
don't treat my guests with disabilities or autism differently than I treat any of my mm-hmm. other guests. I just make accommodations and we have a great time. It shouldn't be an exceptional mm-hmm. thing in the sense that everyone should be willing to make the most basic, simple accommodations for other people. And yet, you know, the reality is we don't have wheelchair ramps or accessibility in the majority of our public buildings, let alone within our intimate spaces. So there's a lot of work that still needs to be done there. So I feel like, while I am able to do my part, I wish that there was so much more I was still able to do. God, that's, I mean, just being such an advocate is so admirable. Hey, sluts. Want to see my workout routine, skincare setup, my vintage closet, and more? Take a deeper dive into my life on my YouTube channel. I take you across the country in my thrift shop vlogs and share my therapy and medication journey. Most importantly, peep the Girl Boss Business playlist to enjoy hours of free information on starting your own empire. Check it all out at youtube.com slash C slash Anna D. That leads me to safety because I know, assuming you use condoms, but I'm curious how that safety part works. Do you ever get anyone kind of like popping off the condom? How do you work with women in condoms? You know, are there, do you ever have a contraceptive accident? Like I'm, I'm so curious in the most respectful way. No, of course. So condoms and barriers, protection are required for all intimate acts. We have dental dams, we have condoms, we have internal condoms, latex-free condoms, different sizes, all sorts of things. I even use condoms and toy cleaner with all of my toys. Like I am absolutely fastidious when it comes to safety and protection. I'm tested every seven days for STDs and STIs. And then before any of the experiences happen, there's kind of a quick little health check where we make sure everything looks happy and healthy below the belt before mm-hmm. anything actually What about occurs. the customer or guest? How I'm not sure how you word that. Yeah. So the that safety check is for the okay. guest where we kind of just look below the belt and make sure all is happy. So do they just – you look before their belt or do they get tested too or look under their belt? Excuse me. Oh, I just look under the belts. Because condoms and barriers are used, we don't have to worry about extensively testing each individual. Unlike in the porn community in which sometimes and oftentimes there is direct fluid exchange. And of course, you then need to have all parties tested in those situations. Mm -hmm. But this isn't porn. Condoms are required by law. So I have a question. Spring is in the air, lovelies, and with it comes a fresh wave of energy, blossoming flowers, and endless possibilities. But you know what puts an extra skip in my step? My fabulous partners at Viahem. Trusted by a whopping 250,000 plus goddesses just like you, Viahem's products are just like a magical wellness wand in a bottle. Feeling a bit frazzled after a hectic day? Cue the Via gummies for instant relaxation. 
battling stress and anxiety, don't worry, there's a gummy for that too. And for those intimate moments, Vaya has concocted something truly special. High Love Gummies, infused with pleasure-boosting cannabinoids, libido-reviving herbs, and just the right touch of THC. These gummies are your ticket to an electrifying experience between the sheets. But wait, there's more. Vaya offers an array of other gummies with or without THC, catering to every goddess's needs. Whether you prefer a subtle 2 milligram dose or a bolder 50 milligram kick, Vaya has your back. From improving sleep to sharpening focus or aiding in recovery, there's a gummy for every occasion. And the cherry on top? You can easily browse and shop their collection online, categorized by strength and effect. And here's the best part, darling. Vaya ships discreetly to all 50 states, right to your doorstep. No medical card needed. So go ahead, indulge in a little self-care spree with Vaya Hemp because you deserve nothing but the best goddess. Head over to viahemp.com and use code goddess to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. 21 and up only. That's viahemp, V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use code goddess at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Viahemp. Now back to the show. About discussing safety before sex, because I feel like people in the real world, they're either not getting tested. And I'm curious if you were in a personal experience away from the ranch, how you would word that conversation. And I feel like this could help someone listening who might be feeling ashamed or uncomfortable or just trying to be simply safe, but isn't exactly sure how to word that without feeling like the experience is unnatural for them? I always tell folks, lead by example. Start by sharing your health status. Hey, my most recent STD and STI check was on this date. I came back negative for everything. When did you have your last health check? Cool. What was the status? Did everything come back? I always recommend before and after every new partner Update your paperwork. It takes two seconds. Planned Parenthood will literally do it Mm -hmm. for free if you cannot afford it. Please, please, please get tested. And even if you're in a committed monogamous relationship, update your paperwork every six months to one Mm -hmm. year. It never hurts to know what your status is. I've even read recently that that pertains to HIV in particular, that it can show up years later after an interaction. So I I love that you expressed every six months because you never know what may or may not happen and how you should take care of yourself. So yes, queen, we love safety. (laughs) We love a comfortable conversation. And I think that takes practice, especially if you're someone who personally loves to be on Tinder and have many experiences. It's still just as important as being in a committed relationship. So kudos I have to get into hookers and healthcare. This is like the most important conversation we might have because 
I read a, a little bit about what you're doing with that. I can't, again, I can't admire you enough for being such an advocate and ally for the sex work community, but I'd love for you to kind of plug yourself about what you're doing for healthcare because it's it's so important. So when the movement first started, there was a significant lack of healthcare providers in the Nevada industry, specifically within the, the healthcare marketplace as it stood at the time. This looked like myself and my coworkers being excluded from coverage due to our jobs and our chosen careers. And this is really problematic because everybody needs to have health insurance. I mean, my God, we all just went mm-hmm. through a pandemic. Keep in mind, this started several years before any of that took off, but it really drives the point home on how important that insurance is. When I found out that we were being excluded from insurance, I started pushing back. I organized a rally at the Capitol building. I went down there with my coworkers, held up some signs, made a whole bunch of noise. We called a bunch of different medical insurance providers asking and questioning why in the world they're not offering private insurance. Again, we're independent contractors, so that's not something that's guaranteed to us. We have to provide our own health insurance. And through the marketplace, there's only a limited number of options and if there were any options. So that's really where that passion stemmed from. Since then, we do have more options for health care. And now my focus has really shifted on finding quality health care providers for my peers, mental health professionals, physicians, gynecologists, mas- even massage therapists, nail mm-hmm. technicians, like any, any sort of service provider that my coworkers need care in general has kind of become the message where it's both things. We need to have access to healthcare. And then we also need access to all these other services too. And they need to happen in a way that is not stigmatizing or problematic. How could our community be more of an ally or advocate toward this movement with healthcare? Talk about it. Destigmatize sex and intimacy and sex work at every level possible from your own interactions with your own medical professionals to when you talk to your insurance companies, ask, do you cover sex workers? Mm -hmm. Are there any sort of like exclusions that you have that pertain to people's careers? Mm -hmm. Hold hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. And in the future, if support is needed and someone says, hey, we need emails or phone calls made, the best thing you can do is listen to the voices that you're trying to lift up and Mm -hmm. let them lead the charge. You can't advocate for anyone if they aren't asking Mm -hmm. for your help. And so I very much so encourage folks who want to be supportive, ask sex workers directly, what can I do to support you at this time? Is there a specific movement, a petition, uh, a law that we need to support or push back against? Because it's really become so much bigger than just healthcare. It's really become advocacy for the industry as a whole and our rights as a whole, not just for those within the Nevada brothel industry, but sex workers' rights at a national Mm -hmm. level. And what does that need to look like? And this makes me think a lot about social media discrimination. I currently have a TikTok account sitting at 1 million subscribers, yet I keep getting mass reported by either men that want to shame me or women who might see me as competition. This is just my assumption. But I recently started dancing in a trash bag so that the algorithm doesn't catch my skin. 
And I'm trying to use this as a statement so that people ask in the comments, like, why are you wearing a trash bag? And it's like, oh, because my skin is offensive or considered, you know, sexual, even though I'm not consenting to my videos being sexual. So I even went as far as creating merch that says, like, my existence violates the guidelines or the community guidelines available at professionalgoddess.com. <laughs> so. I love that. It's ridiculous. I've had Instagram accounts deleted, Facebook accounts and Facebook groups locked, my Twitter shadow banned and deleted. My God, it's nuts. It's, I know, it's it's just frustrating. And you get to the point where you feel like so small that you want to abide by the guidelines and fear that your account will get deleted. But I'm at the point where I know my followers will follow me wherever I move to. They will figure it the fuck out because they're fucking amazing. I want to like utilize these platforms while I have them to make noise because we talked about being an advocate and an ally. And, you know, some of these smaller accounts, they can't, their voices aren't heard because of their follower account, which is, it just blows my mind. So I'm trying my best to figure out what way can I create a movement to bring awareness and change because I want to reach a point with my finances to be able to invest in world change because people in this life, they don't think that they can affect climate change or sex work opportunities. And my goal with my businesses is to get to that point where I can happily invest in that opportunity. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I love it. And oh, you mean that you're not going to participate in the billionaire space race to Mars instead? You actually want to do something good for the planet and the people around you? Oh my God, what a concept. What a concept. So as also a- Incredible. (laughs) Thank you. It, It blows my mind that we sit in the stratosphere of space where any one of those billionaires could be doing the race to end world hunger. I know. I can't think of one celebrity that advocates for sex work. Not one. There are very few and far between. Even those who have been sex workers oftentimes minimize that with the Mm -hmm. exception of a very small handful of folks like Cardi B. We have to talk about how fabulous she's been. Yes, queen. Oh my God. What a blessing. What a blessing to have somebody that's like, yeah, I danced and mm-hmm. wonderful. Love it. Wonderful. We see just as many things where like we have the little Nas X situation yes. in which he did a dance contest, but then never actually paid out any of the dancers that he promised a $10,000 prize to for creating the best pole dance to his song, but then never followed through with it. That That's such a great point. Uh, and for the gay community, wow, he's hitting he's hitting both. And also, I, f- I feel like it's important to talk about being an advocate for mental health. And I'm curious if you have mental health struggles and the days where you feel low at work, how you work through them, or do you share that with your coworkers at all? Yeah, so I'm definitely a high anxiety sort of person. I tend to be a worrier. I tend to be a stressor. Really? Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. I was a hot mess during the first half of the pandemic. Oh, boy. Really? (laughs) You're, like, so articulate and, like, on board with what you do. That amazes me. Like, I feel like you have an answer for everything. (laughs) Oh, gosh. 
Yeah, well, I mean, being intellectual doesn't stop someone from also true, being anxious. That's and true. like everyone has something going on. Mental health is just as ever present in our lives as our physical health is. We need to honor and respect other people's mental health challenges the same way that we honor and respect people's physical limitations and actual physical health challenges too. It shouldn't be stigmatized. It shouldn't be shamed. There shouldn't be this uncomfortability of saying, oh yeah, I have anxiety. Oh, I have a a panic Mm -hmm. condition. Those aren't shameful things. Like we don't shame people who have diabetes. We don't shame people who have breast cancer. Mm-hmm. We just acknowledge it and offer support for them. That's a lot to go through. I need you like on my shoulder to answer questions. <laughs> <laughs> so do you ever have a time that you cancel on something that's scheduled because of your mental health? I've not had to cancel anything because of my mental health, but I have had to cancel experiences with guests before due to my physical health. I do. I have like a a hypermobility condition. And so sometimes I might have a a morning where I wake up and my wrist is out of socket (gasps) and I have to like compression wrap it or something. I certainly have had situations happen where my physical health has impacted my work experience, but I've not really run into it. Wait, that's not true. <laughs> Actually, I I didn't have to cancel on one of my guests a few weeks. No, it's been a couple months now. I had to put one of my dogs down. Oh, no. Unfortunately, he just reached the end of his life, and oh, I I cleared my entire afternoon. I was not doing anything. Girl, that day. I'd have to I'd have to clear out the year. Oh gosh, I it know. was it was a tough one. And I'm like, wait a minute, no, wait, I have though. But like, for me, it was such a comfortable and automatic experience that it didn't stand out as like a, oh, I'm canceling mm-hmm. something for my mental health and well-being. Like, of course yeah. I'm doing that. Why wouldn't I? Well, good. I'm, I'm glad you did that because healing so important. And speaking of animals, I my assistant did all this research. God bless her. She said, you rode horses. And the past two months, I've recently started riding English because that's my therapy. <gasps> And I was like, oh my God, she rides horses. And like now my thighs are so fucking sprung that I can like ride a dick like a champ now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. Oh no, I'm first off, I'm so sorry about your wallet. You're going to buy a horse within the next two years. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Just accept your fate. Welcome to crazy horse person dumb. I know. I've. Wait, wait, wait. I've started braiding my hair. I've become like all the girls that work there are lesbians. And I love it because they're like halfway attracted to me and it boosts my confidence so much. (laughs) I love it. I love that. That's so fantastic. It's the horse world is a really wonderful, really positive, supportive space. So I'm glad that you're getting a chance to enter that space. I love horses. I have three horses like a crazy person. And I just run around and I'm nonstop. People think I have this like awesome, glamorous life. It's 5 a.m. I'm outside shoveling horse poop <laughs> out of my horse's stuff. Let's be very clear what my reality is. I'm doing barn chores in the morning. Like, I'm getting eggs from my chickens and setting up my pig's feed for the day and filling her mud puddle because she's a spoiled, rotten princess. Well, I was, I was curious what one of your biggest purchases was or, like, one of your proudest moments, but I'm feeling like it's your horse's. Oh, totally. I I love my horses. They are like my kids. Not to devalue parents out there. They are certainly 
fantastic if you have actual human child, children, lots of respect, don't mean to be little that experience. But I'm totally a pet parent, 100% all the way. I am that person who posts my animals constantly. Anyone who follows me on social media has seen pictures of my cats and my dog and the horses and my pig and the chickens. Just How do you feel about having kids? It's not for me. I have nothing but respect and love for those who do choose to have kids. Many of my coworkers have kids. It works fantastic for them. But it just wasn't something that I was ever really interested Mm -hmm. in. Yeah, I I feel the same way. I mean, I'm 28 and I'm so in love with my career right now. And I just know anything in my life I give full energy to. And I feel like if I have kids, I'm going to give them all my energy and then my business is going to fail. And that's one of the contradictory things about running a business. I'm I'm torn mm-hmm. about it because I I love I just love helping and inspiring people so much and I know if I had children they would be extraordinary but I'm willing to sacrifice one child to help millions of other people with their life. So that's kind of how I personally feel. Big question, how do you navigate personal relationships because every sex worker has a vibe about dating or family life. And we all kind of have a different answer based on the circle we flow with. Yeah. So I am single right now. I'm not actively seeking to date anyone. And I really haven't in about six years. I've just kind of been happily doing the whole single, solo, polyamory lifestyle. I live with my aunt, which is quite nice. So she's able to take care of my animals when I'm away. That's so nice. I mean, she's, she's absolutely wonderful. Unfortunately, she, um, she has cancer. And so during the pandemic needed a little bit of help getting Mm -hmm. things done. And well, at a certain point, she's like, this is silly, just move. And so I did. My family knows what I do. And they love it. They accept it. It's never really been a stigmatization point. It's like, cool. I do sex work now and they're like, okay, is it safe? Are you happy? Okay. okay, cool. It never really went beyond that amongst my friends. Same kind of response. Oh, that's cool. Do you feel like your social circle pressures you with questions or does their religion like play a, a big role in how they judge or perceive you? Oh, God, no, not in the slightest. First off, I don't think I'd feel comfortable having a friend or peer group that treated me in such a discriminatory way. Thank you. And second off, there is a way to ask questions respectfully of your friends that belong to marginalized communities or have experiences that you're interested in. If you want to learn about Black experiences, talk to your Black friends, but do so respectfully in a way where they can opt into the conversation. Ask your sex worker friends, hey, can we talk about sex work a little bit? I have a few questions. Is that okay? Is now a good time? Is that something you're even comfortable with? Create the opportunity for an opt-in conversation and then simply ask the questions that from a place of judgment or stigma or assumption, what does safety look like mm-hmm. instead of is your job safe? The baseline assumption shouldn't be that it's unsafe. If you want to know what my job is like safety-wise, just ask me about the safety of my job. You don't have to put a negative connotation on things when you're genuinely curious and interested in learning. 
So that would be my advice to anyone wanting to make those conversations happen. Sex work safety. With OnlyFans, I created kind of like an ebook tour on how to start so that your foundation is safe because online customers can search so much and blackmail you and dox you. So in the physical realm of working at a ranch, what are like your top things as far as safety goes? I guess this is kind of interesting. What is the ranch trying to really keep me safe from? Mm -hmm. What is the value of legality? And I want to be very clear here. The brothels don't protect me from my guests. My guests are not a threat or a danger. The ranches offer me protection from the law and only from the law. Mm -hmm. That is the benefit that I get for forgoing 50% of my income is to not be arrested for doing my job. So I'm not really worried about my guests because they've never posed a safety concern for me. So you've, you've never had like a stalker? No, I've really not had any bad situations. The closest thing to a bad situation I've had in regard to sex work is I was harassed by members of a local church for trying to defend the legality of my profession when it was challenged. That's yeah. brought the most threat and harm to my life was a stalker from the church, not one of my guests. Oh my guests. God. Isn't, isn't that like... Um, I'm sorry. I'm not even going to get into that, but we we love a religious person that judges. <laughs> Everyone can make their choices. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of live and let live. You live your life. You let me live my life. I'm not hurting you. You're not hurting me. Let's all disrespect each other and share the planet and hopefully recycle and take care of it too. You know, just live and let you're, live. You're a pussy power angel. I'm curious how you manage taking your time off and what are your personal hobbies on the side of your occupation? Oh gosh, my time off. And this is something that I really learned during the pandemic is how to non-negotiably prioritize my needs. I used to be more flexible where, oh, I'll forgo a day off if somebody can't make it a different day. And I've started, started to draw some pretty hard lines and boundaries around when am I working? When is personal time? When am I focusing on my animals and my hobbies? I feel like it's really important to maintain that work-life balance, especially as we all move to a work-from-home model. And I feel like the lessons we learn shouldn't be thrown away simply because the pandemic is over. Mm -hmm. And so I've made it a point to really lean into my hobbies this year now that I can go and participate in person. So I've started to do Krav Maga. I do horseback riding and take horseback riding lessons. I'm actually going to be learning a little bit more about driving horses and having them hooked up to a cart and a carriage and driving them rather than just riding. I am constantly on the go hiking, exploring national parks. I bike ride. I enjoy camping. I swear to God, I don't sit still for a second. I have just found so many different ways to enrich my life and enjoy my life now that I have the ability to not be at home and be behind a TV or a computer Mm -hmm. screen. And so I've really just been leaning into doing all of the things that I've not had a chance to do that I've wanted to do, that I've been putting off doing. Okay, so do you do any virtual sex work? Or is it just at the brothel? I do. I changed 
to a virtual model during the pandemic. And what I found is that it was a really great way to serve my guests that aren't necessarily able to travel easily. Folks who use wheelchair and mobility equipment require a health aid, live out of the country, so it's particularly expensive to see me. And being able to connect with them more regularly through things like Skype and Zoom and virtual sessions has really been beautiful. Oh, I love and that like you. mentioned you. OnlyFans. Oh, do you have an OnlyFans? I sure do. And I love creating content on there. What I do is a little bit different than most folks in the sense that I show very authentic, unedited, realistic moments of intimacy and sexuality. So it's not heavily edited. Ooh, watch me orgasm baby porn. It's, hey, let me show you how to use this new sex toy on me. And let me show you how to do something like a little mini 101 or like a girlfriend experience point of view or just little things that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Okay. So what advice would you like to give to our slutpreneurs in training? First things first, know what goes on the internet, lives on the internet, stays on the internet. Make that decision before you begin if this is something that you're willing to have be a part of your life for the foreseeable future, regardless of what the ramifications are. Not all sex work requires you to use your face. I know several folks that are very successful in the fetish community that wear masks, that focus on hand or foot fetish or other fetishes that don't require their face to be present on screen. So you do have options. Second, save your damn money, pay your taxes, do so right away. Don't put it off. Don't go shopping. Don't buy lingerie or Louis Vuitton Mm -hmm. or I don't care. Save your money first. It is the most important and essential thing you can do. Save your money, spend it on taxes and set yourself up for the future with a retirement plan. This money is not going to come in like this forever. We are like Sports athletes, they have a limited time career. We have a <laughs> peak and then at a certain point, you're going to hit that point And then there's a good chance that your income is going to take a bit of mm-hmm. a dip. I'm not saying that you cannot be a successful sex worker your entire life. You certainly can. But at the same time, let's be realistic. You're going to have a certain peak earning time save your money, invest in your future, set up some sort of retirement plan for yourself. It is the best investment you can make better than any new bikini. Mm -hmm. I promise, pinky promise, the guy doesn't know if the bikini cost you $20 or $2,000. He's just happy to see you Mm -hmm. in it. Like it's far better to invest in your girl. I love that because recently I've decided instead of buying that new bikini or Louis, I'm going to find me a client that will buy it for me. You know, that is a really great way to go about doing it. And I think that's a really sustainable way too. your assets, your money that is yours. If somebody chooses to gift you something that is an extravagance, you're going to appreciate it mm-hmm. all the more as something special. I do have several beautiful luxury items that were purchased for me, and I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful for those things because they're the sort of things that I don't get for myself, which makes it even more special when someone chooses to surprise me or gift me with something of that sort. So I I think of it as being a really positive way to both save your funds, Mm -hmm. and then also it makes you that much more appreciative when someone is incredibly generous. Girl, I swear to God, if I buy something from Goodwill, it'll Last me a lifetime, but if I buy myself a Louis, I will like spill ketchup on it. <laughs> so 
love that. And I love that you mentioned like Goodwill and thrift shopping. Like what a great place to get a career yes. started is going through some of these, what is it? Uh, I think it's called like yes. Poshmark yes. and ThreadUp. There's so many of these conglomerates that are available online where you can look at literally 50,000 dresses that are all in your size from different designers and pay a faction, like literally a fraction of the price. Girl, that's how I started my business. I was selling designer items that I found at Goodwill. So I, it's definitely something, and it's crazy that like people don't even realize that you can find this stuff there, like on Poshmark or eBay. So even if I need a skincare item, you can find it on eBay for half the price. And just like you said, save your money. So shop with awareness. And uh, I love that. And it's upcycling Mm -hmm. too. You figure we're in this fast fashion world in which all of our clothing is made in third world countries by exploited labor. When you choose to buy something secondhand you're actually avoiding participating in a really problematic Mm -hmm. industry. So you're doing some social good at the same time as well as some environmental good by upcycling and keeping something out of a land. So when are you going to be president? As soon as we (laughs) overcome sex stigma, decriminalize and legalize at a national level, set up a model that allows sex workers to have their own (laughs) co-ops and businesses, you know, a couple things on the agenda before president, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So where can our followers follow you on social media and please plug yourself. I am all over the internet. So I create all sorts of different content on YouTube, including Ask a Sex Worker, where people can ask me their questions and I'll answer it on a future episode. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at Alice Little TV. Of course, there's always my website, thealicelittle.com. And I'm always available through email. Alice Little at thealicelittle.com. Okay. Well, I'm going to be emailing you and sending a bunch of merch your way about our existence oh. violating the guidelines because <laughs> I want to I wanna help the movement in any way and beyond. So I, I'm just so – thank you for giving us a peek in your pleasure chest. I, I just want to wish you all the blessings and success with your endeavors. And I just want to be your virtual best friend because you are iconic and amazing and such a fucking goddess. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I have to say, I've had so much fun chatting with you. You're wonderful. When are we meeting up for coffee? We need to hang out. Oh my God, you're awesome. No, we need to ride horses together and drink wine if that's legal. (laughs) Oh God, yes. I'll tell you. Okay. Okay. Quick story before I go here. Wine and dine trail rides. If you ever have the opportunity to go on one, do it. They literally set you up with wine on a horseback and you trail ride out, have a dinner, watch the sunset, and then you sip your wine all the way back. It's the okay, best. Okay, I could do that for the rest of my life. <laughs> right? Life is about living well, having good memories, doing exciting new things. And I have a feeling your paths are going to cross. I again totally agree. And wellness is such a huge part of well-being. So thank you again. I, I just want to say, I feel like I need to say I love you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. You're wonderful. God, like I love your podcast and all the important content that you're creating. It makes such a big difference for the community, the work that you do. So thank you too. <laughs> 
time to plug myself and pay some bills, so lube up, everybody. If you want to keep the show going and learn more about myself and my empire, you can check more out at professionalgoddess.com. My YouTube mentorships ebook series are all linked in the description of this episode. Want to send me love notes? Email me at sludgepreneur at mail.com. And remember, every time you leave a five-star review, a sludgepreneur has an orgasm. So keep the big O's a and lastly, if you want to get all up inside me, follow my free OnlyFans at Rebecca Blue and my explicit page at Rebecca Rabbit. I now offer shout outs for models, which can be purchased at RebeccaBlue.com. And one more thing, always remember to take what's yours, grab your desires by the fucking balls, and I'm so proud of you. Mama loves you. Refuse to be anything but successful and go make that money, honey. See you next week, bitches. Mwah.